Good Wednesday morning, Four Oaks. Pastor Paul here at the home office, Four Oaks, Killarne. It's 8 a.m. sharp, October 18th. Fall is here. Lovely weather, um, et cetera, et cetera. So glad to be with you. We are this week in Matthew chapter 12. Now, our usual practice is to study the passage of Scripture that we're going to be preaching on for that upcoming Sunday. Um, and that way, we're helping all of us study the Word of God together, give us some tools to, to be a better student of the Word. But this week, we've deviated just a bit because we're still picking up some pieces from last Sunday's sermon, which is about Jesus's confrontation with the religious leaders about the Sabbath. And while we covered the meat of that passage this previous Sunday, there were still was some, some outstanding questions, some secondary issues related to, well, if Jesus is rejecting their teaching and understanding of the Sabbath, saying it, saying it really is a burden for people, um, it doesn't honor God, it, it's about self-righteousness, well, then what is the correct way um, or the most God-honoring way that we recognize the Sabbath today as New Covenant? believers. And so let me read the little relevant portion of the text. And we'll go from there. Verse 9 of, of Matthew 12, he went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? He said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? of how much more value is a man than a sheep. So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So we talked about this idea that, that, that some have looked at this, at this passage and others like them and just say, Jesus is completely abrogating this idea of the Sabbath, that it has no relevance for new covenant believers. Doesn't really matter what we do. We're free in Christ. Um, there's another Sabbath perspective which says, no, 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 what, what Jesus is actually doing here is showing us what is and isn't allowed to, to be done on the Sabbath. We can actually um, do works of, in, in addition to ceasing from our rest, we can actually do works of necessity, like pulling our cart from a ditch um, or our oxen from a ditch, or we can do works of mercy, like healing a man, doing, doing things for other people and our neighbors. And... I said, I think both of those missed the mark. And, and, and what we spent last time doing is kind of critiquing that sort of strict Sabbatarian view and where we kind of landed on that. And I think we, we showed this from passages in the New Testament that, that God's new covenant people are not called to, to, to honor the Sabbath in the way old covenant believers were. Um, that we're not to take an approach of, of what can I do, what can't I do, making lists um, that, that there's a lot of freedom in Christ here um, and, that, and that to erect another set of man-made rules, I think misses the mark. Well, I want to critique the other side for a second. And here is, I, I want to begin to kind of forge ahead what I think is a more faithful biblical vision of the Sabbath for the new covenant believer. So as we said last time, there, there's never a command in the New Testament about honoring the Sabbath in the way the Old Covenant believers did. However, there are a number of mentions about a new priority for God's people that I think replaces the Sabbath 
or fulfills it or whatever have you. And, and it's called the Lord's Day. So, so let me show you a couple of, of passages here. Turn to, to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Very familiar passage. And what we see from the earliest time together as a New, as, as a New Testament church is that what the people of God did was they gathered together. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And so this was a time where they were coming together, sharing the Lord's Supper. They were um, celebrating Christ's resurrection. They were learning God's word. They were praying. They were caring for one another. And for a while, new covenant believers, Jews who believed in Jesus, um, saw their worship in the synagogue on the last day of the week, on the Sabbath, as, as, as part of this. But of course, as they were gradually excluded from the synagogue, as they were gradual, as, as God's people, ethnic people, the Jews, rejected their own Messiah, um, Christians began to gather exclusively together. And instead of gathering on the Sabbath, the last day of the week, Saturday, they would gather on Sunday, the first day of the week. Why? Because that was when Jesus was raised from the dead. And they began to call these this day that had replaced the Sabbath as the Lord's Day. So, so for example, um, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. So Paul says here... Um, Boy, and I'm going to show, aha, yes, first, I was looking in Romans 16, absolutely not, 1 Corinthians 16, here we go, verse 1, verse, 1 Corinthians 16, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so there will be no collecting when I come, so Paul's saying, when you are gathered on that first day of the week, which is the Lord's Day, um, when you're doing worship and those sorts of things, gather the collection at that point. Turn over to Revelation chapter 1. Paul, uh, John is on the island of Patmos. And listen to what John says in John 1.10. So I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. So even when... John was separated from the people of God. He was still setting aside that time for worship. And so what we see from the earliest times in the New Testament church is that the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, replaced this idea of the Sabbath. And Christians for centuries have, have said, what we do is we set aside this first day of the week called Sunday to worship God and be together as his people. Now, how does that relate to the Sabbath? Does that mean rest is not important? Does it, does it mean that what we do does or does not have value? How are we to gauge these things, what we are to do on the Lord's day? And, I, and I've already encouraged us to say, you know, I want to get away from list. But I do think there are some principles that are at play here. And I think about, personally, the Sabbath in the same way as I think about the tithe. So some people say, well, well, Pastor Paul, it commanded us in the, New, in the Old Testament to give 10%. What does that mean for the New Testament? 
And to which I've responded, well, I think Jesus fulfilled the tithe. And people are like, oh, great, that means we don't give anything. Oh, no, no, what that means when I say Jesus fulfilled the tithe is that instead of 10% belonging to him, everything belongs to him. Um, and that the tithe has been replaced by this new principle called generosity. And God's people are constantly called to be generous. Now, is that 10%? Is it 5%? Is it 20%? I think there's certainly freedom there. I think there's also a gauge of, of, of capacity. Some 5% is very generous. 20% for others is, is more generous. And, and so I still think the tithe is, it's, it's a great benchmark. I don't think it's required in the same way as the Old Testament commands it, but now there is a new standard. And the reality is that for most Americans, 10% is probably just the beginning of generosity. So what does that mean for the Sabbath? I think the Sabbath is the same deal. Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath rest. We rest in him. So what does that mean now? Well, that means that not just one day belongs to him, but all the days belong to him. All the days um, um, we are to spend honoring him every hour and every minute. I think that when it comes to the Lord's day, which is a very natural day of abstaining from work, um, a natural day where we come to worship together, um, our posture should be not what can we and can't we do. Our posture should be, God, what does it mean to honor you on this day called Lord's Day? What, what, what does that mean? And while we may not um, observe it in the, in the same sort of way the Jews did, okay, um, which was full of rules and regulations, we want to ask, what does it mean to have a principle of rest, a principle of honoring God, worshiping God, and being with his people? And so understand that's an entirely different approach than saying, it's my time, I can do whatever I want to with it. It doesn't matter, I can do this, I can travel, I can go to games, I can, and again, you may travel and you may go to games, that's not the point. The point is though, whose day is it? It's the Lord's day. It means we come to him and we say, God, how do we order our lives in such a way that prepares us for ongoing service and mission to you? What do we do on this Lord's day that replenishes us spiritually, replenishes us physically, replenishes us um, relationally, right? As a community of faith. And when we think about it that way, then I think that begin, God begins to use those questions to shape our hearts in ways that seek to honor him um, for our good and for his glory. Now, I would say that, that even though um, the Sabbath, okay, was part of the old covenant regulations, I still think there's an aspect of the Sabbath, God rested on the seventh day, that is baked into the heart of creation. And that if we as human beings are neglecting that principle of rest, in other words, there's never a time we rest, there's never a time we recreate, there's never a time that we are unplugging from our, our mindset of productivity, we're not living in accordance with whom God has made us. We are fighting against our nature. We are, um, we're, we're, we're extending our human limits. And at some point in time, there's gonna be burnout. There's going to be a crash spiritually, physically. I think we have found that 
out in our culture to to our dismay, right? That that because we no longer have a cultural rhythm of rest, uh, we have a burned out, always working, always productive, but never reflective, replenishing kind of culture. And I don't think that honors God. What honors God is that we all come to him. We know that he has commanded us together on the Lord's day. And we say, God, how do I honor you with this day? How do I honor you physically, relationally, emotionally? And you know what's interesting is that when you approach it that way, your life tends to take on a particular distinctiveness about it, right? That you don't do all the same things you did during the week, or you do them in a different way. Um, you, you are letting off the gas. You are pouring into relationships. You are pouring into your relationship with God and your family and friends and church family. And I think in that way, um, when you approach it by saying, God, how do you want me to honor and treat this day? It'll, it'll, it will, it will shape you. Now there's some who have to work on Sunday. There's some, there's deeds of necessity, if you want to use those terms. Um, and so I would simply say, and this is true, like even for pastors. Okay. So, so Sunday is obviously a big quote unquote work day for, for me. I have to say, is there a, is there a principle, a rhythm of rest in my life apart from what I do on a Sunday? That's going to be really important. Okay. Same, same thing for you. So I hope that brings some clarity. Um, if you're looking for more specificity, I think what we would want to say is, that's what it means to walk in wisdom and faith. And if your conscience tells you, I don't do anything on Sunday except worship and read and take a nap and take a walk, then abide by your conscience. Um, if your conscience says, no, but no, I want to recreate and get out and hike and ride my bike and wash my car, you know, whatever that happens to be done to his honor and glory that's out of the normal rhythm of your life that replenishes you, that honors God and other people. Um, you remember the Lord is your master. You stand before him. Okay. I hope that's of some help to you tomorrow and Friday. We at last will turn our attention to the text we're going to be looking at this week. It is a short passage. Okay. But boy, it's one of the most significant in all of the new Testament God's chosen servant. And if you want to get a little jump start on this, you can be reading Matthew 12 verses 15 through 21, which is actually an exposition of Isaiah 42. Um, it's going to be exciting. See you tomorrow. Lord, give us a heart of faith and trust that, that treats our lives as belonging to you and that you guide, lead, and direct us through the power of your spirit um, Lord, we want to honor you with your day because we know that ultimately that is what is good for our souls. And so, Lord, uh, give us grace, give us wisdom, lead us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.